Yo, yo, welcome guys, welcome guys, welcome to From The Stand Sportscast. This is your Sci-Fi Sportscast brought to you by myself, your podcaster, Sandy Samanagaza. I'm joined here by my co-podcaster, he's back again this week, Sandy yeah. Lissabanyoni. Sandy, say hi. What's up, what's up everyone? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Just good to be back. After last week, eh? <laughs> yeah, and today I've got a special guest, a good friend of mine, uh, Luto Nomoi, who's going to be... Um, yeah, to, to help us discuss a few things, you know. Um, Luto, shout out, thanks for coming out. Alright, bro, thanks, thanks for having me, bro. And I hope the conversations we're gonna have are gonna be very insightful and fruitful. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat about a few things. Sure, sure, no problem, bro, no problem. Um, so yeah, I think before we kick off, we're gonna start off with your word of the day. Uh, no. I thought, what do you mean? Bro, I don't feel like... like <laughs> do you understand? It, bro, it took all the energy in me to, like, start the day, like, start the day today. I, thought I don't feel like it, bro. It shit is going to be trash in any case. Okay, no, I no, no, that's fine. Today. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to have a pee, though. You see, that's how I knew. I'm not even prepared. I'm not even in the right mindset for this shit. Nah, no, Because usually I would have just taken a pee just for the sake of it. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Uh, let, well, let's get into it then. Let's get into it. Um, so I think our first topic, we're going to hit on something that's fresh on our minds. We're going to speak about the Rugby World Cup. Um, have you caught any games, Sandy? First of all, let me start with you. Before. Nah. I, I, I go you, know, you know how I tested if I wanted to watch any games. Yeah. Like I couldn't catch uh, the Springboks because I wasn't home, and then I was like, "These niggas lost. I'm not watching any more games this week." <laughs> so when when else do they play? Oh, sorry. When else do they play? Um, I think they're gonna play next next weekend. Who? I'm 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 I'm, 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 I'm not sure. Um, wow. Not so it's not that important compared to last. They, okay, they're playing they're playing Namibia on Saturday. Alright, I'll watch that one. It's a W. <laughs> is it as clear cut as it, well, is it as clear cut no no it is it tell is, me Namibia is, is coming up in the world dog nah nah they, they, they're not that strong All right, cool. I mean, they had a decent game though um, this, against it, I mean, the first half was apparently decent I, I didn't watch scoreline. yeah I also saw the scoreline it's not like it was a decent game um, but it's Namibia and Italy so yes it's not a game that you really <laughs> yeah. really anticipate um, I mean we might as well get into it speak about the Springboks in New Zealand um, what would you, or how, what, like, how did, what did you find from the game? What did you see from the game? Okay, so Literally. we spoke off air. Um, uh, I was watching the game while I was in the meeting. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, from the Springboks' point of view, um, they lost the game, as I said, probably in the first 30 minutes, I think. Um, mm. Two unforced errors that brought on the try. I think that's, that's where the Springboks really took into the game. Um, as for the old blacks, they pounced, they pounced on the opportunities. Um, so it wasn't that we were outplayed or anything of that sort. It, it just happened to be that we had a poor 30 minutes and then it was really difficult to get back into it. You did mention that Pollard's missed penalty kick also obviously yeah. took us back. So it wasn't a game where you'd say the old blacks 
team they are playing on. So yeah, just yeah. in case of when I pull a first half, and they were just good enough to capitalize on those points. So Okay, no, no, I, I hear you, I hear you. Um, like I said, for me, I think, uh, like we were speaking off air, um, for me, the pivotal point in the game was definitely the pull-out miss because, I mean, you look at the game, we 3 not up, it's an easy penalty. I think he was probably like 23 meters out, 23 meters, 24, probably 25 on the angle at most. Um, relatively easy kick. Um, Wait, can I ask, what's the average like distance for penalties? There's no... There's no average, but like I mean, he's he, in terms of his distance. So wait, do they vary? You, you, do they can, vary? Yeah, yeah, they vary. So but you can expect them to to to, to slaughter 50, 50 meter kick. So that's a, yeah, yeah. That's what I, okay. Yeah, what I was yeah. trying to get is what is the skill level? Yeah, no, no. He's he's quite good because the thing is, it's also like the angle is also a, a factor. But mm-hmm. like I mean, is he a person who usually hits those angles? Yeah, yeah, no, he does, he does, he does. I mean, when I when I speak at, uh, of angles, it's more of. If the penalty is, is is ten meters from the touchline, I would say to the touchline. That that you would argue is a, is, is a difficult yeah. angle. If he takes the penalty, I'm assuming he takes it. He can, okay. he can, because he took he took a, a fifty meter yeah. a fifty meter earlier on, and he slotted it through for for the Springboks to be three 0 up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he missed that penalty, so I mean, you look you look at it the game differently. With six points, with six points up, you receive the kickoff, and then you you carry on with the game. From then, from that penalty miss, I think the Springboks were just trying to scramble into getting back into the game and getting um, was just reinforcing that 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 dominance that they got at the beginning of the game, you know. And from then on, they just made mistakes, as you mentioned, like mistakes where all blacks capitalized. And I mean, you can't you can't be making those those mistakes at at that level against a team like the All Blacks. Guys that previously played well played team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't watch the game, but that nigga was trending. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah, nigga, Takashi snitching on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 down. And they capitalized on that. And they, they capitalized on that. Yeah, he was a weakling. He was off. He was off. What, what do you guys think it was? Do you guys think it was a mental thing? Did you think this occasion or the stage got too big for them? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a mental thing. I think it's just one of those. I personally feel it's one of those games. So it's just one of those days where the, the bounce of the ball doesn't doesn't go for you. Right, I mean, that's right. that's a common rugby saying. It's the bounce of the ball, you know, like a, the bounce of the ball can go either way. Yeah. And I think for especially, I would say for especially for Vili, it, it just wasn't like it just wasn't for him. I think for me, in terms of um my PMP, looking at him defensively, I think. He needs to be. I think he needs to be more patient within the system. I feel like he rushes. He rushes his rush defense, and we get caught out with that, you know. And he sticks too close to to to, to Lucanio on the at, at thirteen, which is. I don't think he's the arm form winger, but I have doubts as to whether Osmongosi can play left wing. Which is my problem because my Pimpy, my Pimpy, from what I know, is the only left winger in the squad, technically. And I mean, to go into has Bungosi played regularly as a left winger before? No, 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 not no. He has. He plays. He plays right wing, and Chesney is also a right winger. So for me to 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 gamble on that to 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 play him at left wing, I mean, if you're playing in Namibia or, or Canada, like the the, the Canada, Namibia and the Canada game. You can test it out because, like, I mean, you might as well um, 
you might as well try uh, try different options if if things aren't really working out you know but um i think my pmp is going to be our number 11 three and three world cup look um he's i think he's he's, he's proved himself in previous games to say okay at least he should get the shot at number one yeah game. one game is not enough to say okay he should be he should be yeah, costed he should out be dropped um i do though think it was pressure. I think we put so much pressure or expectation around the game. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of hype around the game. There was a lot of hype from internally. Usually the hype is from the media, but they, they hyped up themselves. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think if that's what happened within the first 30 minutes. Everyone was shell-shocked. Okay, snap, what's happening? Um, but after that, they snapped out of it. But I think just because New Zealand is so good, Give them a chance, and I mean, catching catching up against yeah. New Zealand is, is probably one of the hardest things yeah. to do in in terms of rugby. Because I mean, mm-hmm. you make you make you make those small mistakes earlier on, and they're so clinical. They will capitalize, and for you to get back at them is so hard because defensively they're so good. Scramble defense is, is so good, and their game management is also is also like up there as one of the best. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just off days for for my Pimpi and 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 Vili. I, I do though say positive is previously if we played the All Blacks, we get to half time the score is seventeen was it seventeen three? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was seventeen three. Yes, yes. Expect yes. them to kick. Yeah, you expect New Zealand to yeah. kick on and to just like yeah. wa- so run well, away with it. Oh, okay, okay. One we've improved. But we're not quite there. Yeah, we yeah. improve, but we're not quite there. But it also shows a decrease from their side that they're not the old blacks from 2015 when they went into the World Cup and we expected them to win it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I do think we probably a bench away from being the number team, the number one team in the world. I don't think we still have. We don't have that team. A full 23, a full 23 squad. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, take out Formulan, take out Collard, it's a different team. Yeah the different team yeah i think i think also in terms of game plan i felt like the way the way the box played it was very i mean it was very direct which i don't mind especially in the first 15 minutes it was fine they were very direct they were getting over the gate the, the advantage line getting over the gate line everything but like i mean from minute 20 to minute 80 they did the same and there was no variation and with that i felt that like it was very easy to defend from New Zealand's perspective and we hardly tested their system. I mean, the times that we did break were it was broken play. Like I mean you think you look at you look at at, at Kobe's play, it was it was from a kick chase and, and that's something New Zealand are gonna look at and they're gonna fix going um further into the World Cup in terms of making sure that their kick chase and the kick lines are, are perfect. But like besides that, we we hardly looked threatening to them. Even when we got into the 22, we got into the 5. We, we weren't confident, even with the momentum, that we can actually get that try over. It was one of those things of let's just hope that we that what there's that one carry that gets us over the advantage line and we can actually get that momentum because it was hardly there. I think as you mentioned, Pollard didn't have a good game, mm-hmm. and I think that's partly because we didn't have forwards. Yeah. And yeah. so if there's no goal for go for the ball, it's very difficult then to start something from there. Because you can see initially when they were trying to go wide, they were playing sideways and there was never any penetration probably through the centers. Exactly. Or, or exactly. Yeah. So it made it harder for the spring box to go forward. But it's not all gloom and doom. It isn't. Yeah, it isn't. I, I, I do believe I think that takes pressure off us. Mm. Because there was hype. The spring was going into the World Cup that we're a contender. We still are. 
Mm. But I think there's less pressure, easier games. Um, and I think there's more space in between the games so we can rest, consolidate our plans and look forward, okay, who are we going to play in the quarterfinals? Yeah. There's less pressure on us now going forward as opposed to if we won the group or if we beat the All Blacks, assuming then we win the group. Probably then there'd be more expectation yeah. to, to actually do more because we've won the group. Um, I think also to add on to, to that, I mean, the fact that we've gotten New Zealand out their way as the first game, it's we've seen like we've played the best team in the pool. We were able to see where we've gone wrong and what we can actually fix as a side in terms of the box. And I think going into the next three pool games, Italy, Canada, and Namibia, I think the box can actually work on those little things, building that momentum up for the rest of the World Cup, you know, um, and then getting to the quarterfinals. And I, I just I want to get into that, you know, quarterfinals. We're unlikely going to win the group at the moment. We're probably going to finish second. And um, looking at the way the tournament is set up, it means we're going to face the first team in Pool A. The, 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 winner, the winner of Pool A. Which is looking to be? Which is looking to be Ireland at the moment. Because they beat the second best team in, in, in the pool this morning, which is which is Scotland. You know, So, um, did you see? Did you, did you catch the Ireland game though? I watched the highlights. And and okay, besides okay, on top of watching the highlights and what you know from Ireland, what do you, what would you expect from that quarterfinal game between South Africa and and and, and what's this, and the box? I think it'll be a pretty physical game, um, depending on the, the conditions as well. Um, if it is perfect, the box should win. You're right. Conditions, if bearing conditions, if conditions are good uh, on our side, the box should win. Is a wet day, then it will be a tighter contest. But I still do believe the box should win. Um, look, if Ireland's firing and they set pieces, okay, they are. But I mean, yeah. from, from what I've seen and from what I know of, they they, they firing yeah. and they set pieces. I mean, the scrums they've got they've got very good pops in 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 Kian Healy and um, Trey Farlong. So far along, those those are very good props, you know. Um, lineouts in uh, Henderson and James Ryan are very good line uh, lineout locks. Uh, Peter Omani is also there. That back row is very dangerous. You know, uh, Peter Omani, um, CJ Stander, and Van der Fleer. You know, those guys are very good. Um, and I mean, the the, the, the halfback combination speaks for itself in, in Conor Murray and and then 15 Rob Carney. So that, for me, I, I'm, I'm more. I think looking at this game, I mean. My opinion may change or my view may change, but at this moment, I don't think the Springboks make it over that 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 quarterfinal line against Ireland. I mean, of course, I mean if conditions are are, are wet, I think Ireland has a way way bigger chance of, of 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 taking the game because the way they control the game from from nine and ten, the kicking game is is super is superb. And even if it's a dry game, I think they, they, they're a good enough team to be able to to, to give the, the Springboks a run for their money. So what's it going to take for you to be assured that the Springboks... Like, what do you want to see from the next three games? For you to be like, okay, if the case is we're facing Ireland in the quarters. I think in terms of... You're confident in the win. I think form. Form is going to be... A, form and game plan from the next couple of games. If you see 
um, players picking up form, like uh, like we spoke about, Vili Leroux picking up form, Mapimbi picking up form, Pollard getting back into form. Um, I think Sia was also a was also someone who was a passenger as well in the game. And personally, I understand because he's coming back from injury and, and stuff like that. So I didn't expect him to 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 play like a, an ultimate beast but i mean he's going to get into that and once he gets into that gear and once he gets into those gears he's going to be a good player um we actually spoke about that remember yeah. and like we spoke about taking people who are coming back oh, yeah, from injury. yeah coming back from injury yeah, Am yeah, I, yeah. so do you still think it was a worthy gamble yeah no definitely i mean he's he's our captain <laughs> he's our captain but yeah um I think in terms of the next couple of games, in terms of form, and then you trust like him to just, come back. Yeah, I trust him to come back. I think form, like I said, and then um, game plan. Like I think if you can see more variations to our attack, then I would be more. I would be more confident because looking from yesterday's game, there was hardly any variations from our attack, and we looked very, we looked very, um, we looked side to side. It was one-off runners. There was no variations. Like I said earlier on, we didn't test the defensive system, so I wasn't too impressed with that attack. So I mean, if I see that, then I can, then my view or my opinion can actually change. I think we we quick to forget because in the championships, in the championship, um, not the tri nations, when we played the All Blacks, yeah, Australia, and Argentina twice, everyone was loading the spring box for playing so well. Yeah. And we just had one game, one game where everyone was off. Mm. Quick to say that we question their ability to beat Ireland. No, but that's the thing for me personally. I I genuinely back Ireland. I'm 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 genuinely. Where do you okay? Looking at it holistically now, where do you think Ireland finish? In terms of the World Cup. Yeah. If if they get over the Springboks in the quarterfinals, they can definitely make the finals. Because that that second semi final, whoever whoever's in their way, whether it be France, Australia, or Wales, yeah. I think they can get over that, that semi final, and they can get to the final. The team that they are, they can get to that final. Personally, that's that's how highly I rate them. I think that's their biggest thing is getting over that quarter final. Because I mean, we spoke about I spoke about it last week in the in the World Cup in the World yeah. Cup preview that their biggest hurdle is the fact that in their World Cup history they've never gone past the quarter final stages. As as yeah, I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've never gone and passed the. So okay, stage. that brings me to my next question then, because what I wanted to know was after seeing the first round of games, right? Have you guys started noting dark horses or underdogs or people that you've got your eye on, but not everyone else doesn't necessarily have their eye on them? I think yours is Ireland. Who else would you pick? Let's say let's say yeah let's say dark horse to go further than a lot of people are expecting them to go. I'll, I'll let you start. France. Let's just start. France. France. I, I was expecting Argentina to be France. Mm. Um, because of the way Argentina has been competing against the blacks, against South Africa, and against Australia, so my assumption was, oh, okay, Argentina France is going to be France. They only have one game in them in the whole World Cup usually. Yeah. They'll upset a team, so I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting Argentina to win the game yesterday. So France for me is my darkest in terms of going further than we think yeah. they'll get. But in terms of a team that can prove an upset, Fiji. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, in terms of the France thing, I, th- I spoke about it. I spoke about it in the previous episode. I, I, I personally said that France will beat Argentina. I felt like 
as much as France isn't the team which you, you generally we haven't been talking about over the past four years and stuff like that they haven't been winning six nations or anything like that haven't been competing that much I felt like France whenever it comes to the World Cup they pull it out of the bag in terms of performances and in terms of going far in the World Cup further than people expect, um, expect I can actually I can actually say France you know um, another team that I could probably give a shout out is Wales Wales. I think I think people are I think Wales is 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 also a team that's I think they're also unfortunate, but I also understand. But like I mean, you don't look at them as as favors to probably go the distance, but they're capable of going the distance. But another thing that's also against them is the fact that they've they've lost a key player to injury in Gareth Anscombe, um, who got an injury in a warm-up game like prior to the World Cup, you know. But I think that for me it would be, it be France and 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 versus France and Wales. And I think if um, if my prediction goes the way that I, I said last week, which I think Wales is going to finish top of their group, France is going to finish second in their group. Um, that semi that quarterfinal clash, I think it's going to be quarterfinal number three is going to be a very big one. Um, in terms of the team that can cause an upset, I, I would definitely agree Fiji. Back Fiji. Um, yeah, back Fiji. I think Fiji, the way they played against Australia, it 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 shocked Australia even because they were in the game for the first, with like for the first for 50 minutes of the game, arguably 55, going close to 60, they were in the game, clean. Um, they were leading the game, they controlled the game, they played very well, they kept to their structures, and they frustrated Australia with their structures, um, with their defensive structure and all. And I mean Australia being, I mean I think. The difference was was quality and discipline with 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 Fiji. If Fiji can fix up their discipline, I think they can actually be a very good rugby nation. On 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 the general, just speaking with without even considering the World Cup on the general, if they can fix their discipline, they can be a very good um versus World Cup team. But is it a culture of this? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, they're very big. In One rugby. that they acknowledge and push. What do you mean rugby in the country? Not discipline. And look, I think that particular game, they had issues with discipline. That particular game, not to say the whole culture, they are undisciplined people. That would be a big statement to make. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say not, they apply uh, history. Ah. Think, yeah, because you think, said okay, on think, the whole, if they can improve on discipline, I think on, I think on the they're a team that generally struggles with discipline, and I think ref referees generally. I think going into the game, they have that thing of. Fijian Fijians or the Fijian team is generally lacks discipline, oh, okay. so they are also penalized more. I mean, yeah. some calls are, are more biased than than the than the ordinary because of that stigma of they generally lack discipline. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's 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 a big issue or anything like that, but I think sometimes they are hard done by you know. Um, I think Fiji lacks depth. I think they've got a good fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the difference that showed in that game, one, you said it was quality, but another thing was Dev. Mm. Um, because it seemed like Australia's bench was probably the better team or the better players. Yes, 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 definitely. Into the field. So, Dev will play a part. And looking at, lot, looking at Saturday's game, it seems like they suffered a lot of injuries. So, going forward, I think they've got one game in them. But in terms of going forward, I don't think... I'm not too sure who's in their group. Mm. I'm not too sure who's in their group in terms of them commencing. Um, but because of depth, 
the yellow card they suffered. Um, I think the number seven suffered a head injury, so he yeah, can't be out for ten days. In terms of concussion. So if it wasn't for that, uh, I'll put them as one of the better teams to to, to go forward. But death, um, of course, you mentioned lack of discipline, but they did surprise everyone. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, I mean, they are one half team. Though. Yeah. And usually the the, the, the Pacific teams um, are one half teams. You watch Samoa. First twenty minutes will be hard. Watch Tonga, likewise, and then after that, usually fitness kicks in and all those sort of things. So it'll be interesting to watch because they've got a lot of flair, and if everything aligns, um, they can upset the big team. Yeah, I mean, and then they group to actually mention they've got Wales, they've got Georgia, and they've got Uruguay. They've already played Australia, so I mean. Another game to look out for definitely for from a Fijian perspective is is that game against Wales to see what they can actually do and mm. to see if they can actually cause that upset because they definitely I think they're capable of doing it judging from what they've shown against against Australia. Yeah. Okay, you you touched on Pacific teams, yeah. So, what do you think is is the case with those with those kind of teams? Is it the level of development? that they have rugby development they have in, in in those nations is it the type of rugby they play and you know the type of rugby they grow up learning to play uh, i think they've got one of the best advantages in terms of physique yeah yeah, yeah yeah you could say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the rock and again also in terms of a nation in the country they fall under the second or third world country type Mm. Yeah, yeah. They so in terms of um, facilities, funding, they don't they have that much. Yeah. yeah, they don't have that much. most players leave um, and to find and better posture. Not because they play better rugby, but they just want to leave and go to different countries. Yeah. Mm. So they will always suffer because of that in terms of they will never get the best coaches. They will never have the, the best, best players that are good at homegrown. Yeah. So, so they will always be. Maybe you'll have that one team that has great players that decide to play for Fiji because most of the or Samoa or because most of these guys are multi, they're multi nations. So yeah, which countries they, do they usually like? You see, they usually, they usually go to New Zealand uh-huh. or Australia. It's, it's usually between the two, New Zealand or Australia, and I, I mean, to it's to it's it's mostly because of that to find greener, greener pastures, yeah. to find a better rugby system, to find better to better better pay and stuff like that. You know, um, <clears throat> some some players also go to England. You do find a lot of um, Pacific Islanders who who are or English or let me say also. England nationals at the moment who are originally born from from the Pacific Island teams, and I think yeah, man, it's 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 the fact that they don't have a lot of um a lot of funding and a lot of development. So they, I mean, they have they don't have much to work with, but with what they have, they they actually stand up tall because you look at things like what they do on the seven circuit, especially the Fijian team. They they are. The Fijian team is arguably the best team in the seventh circuit. You know, I mean, they win tournament after tournament, and um, if, um, I stand to be corrected, but I think they won the World Series last year. I think they won the World Series last year. So, I mean, in terms of sevens, that's something they they're also big on, and and they do very well on that. And mm-hmm. I think that's based on like it's it's based on the decision of the players. I think because they've, they've got the coaching systems within that development and the structures and they're able to the players are able to actually make the decision of actually let me represent my the country that I was born in. Um, not that I'm saying that the other players don't want to represent their country. So there's better chances of success at sevens. 
Yeah, for for if, for, for, if you're a Fijian national, um, yeah. even Samoan and uh, less so Tonga, you have le- you have more chances of being successful as a rugby player through the seven circuit. Yeah, in those countries, it's much more attractive as well because you, you you basically travel most of the time. Exactly, exactly. So you're you're around thing or how do I put it? Most of the time you're traveling, but at the same time when you're not playing, then you're able to go play in France. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. As opposed to them trying to form a club system for the 15s. Yeah. Which then, of course, would and it conflicts with 15s yeah. all over the world. Mm. Okay, you got. So, are we ready to put a cap on rugby? Because uh, there's an interesting question now that I have. Like, we can discuss it actually. Yeah. Because yeah, sure. it, it touches on it touches on what you guys have brought up with the Pacific teams, and you know players leaving to go seek better you know better lives and stuff and that brings us to um mo farah the uh, long distance runner uh it brings us to people like your paul pogba's it brings us to who else um who's the kid that's that's doing mad things at chelsea right now tammy abraham tammy abraham's it brings us to you know all those guys and it's like even even rugby players, you know, yeah, rugby, South Africa, South African rugby, even South African cricket, you know, has has a huge exodus of players. You find there are many many players even in this World Cup that are currently playing that are actually South African born but represent other nations. I mean, I look at the likes of CJ Stander, um, Ireland. Yeah, he plays he plays for Ireland. Um, I think now for Scotland. Now, yeah, VP, yeah, VP now for Scotland. Um, I think there's a. I think there's another Italian. I think there's another Italian who's who's also South African born. I forgot. But even um, a couple of there's a couple of players from Canada and USA as well that I'm sure of that are playing um, that are actually born in South Africa. And I mean, you look at even even in past World Cup, Scott Spedding, who played for Spons, who used to play for Spons, for France. Sorry. Um, so so yeah, I think. So yeah, sorry. Carry on with your question. I was just yeah. adding on to the list. Cool. Now you gave me the context. So. Mm. I guess my first question is do you guys think it's a problem or is it fair game like from the perspective of let's say some uh, from the perspective of is it equatorial guinea in in pogba's case or is it just guinea um i'm not 100 yeah we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just say guinea yeah. you know from the perspective of other countries who lose out of, of, on, the, of the home nation who yeah, lose out on on that on talent experience. because of socioeconomic factors and you know structural factors is it okay is it fair game do you think it's a problem and if so how do we go about fixing it i don't i don't think it's a problem one um, because when these when most of these players leave they yeah. leave at a very young age yeah um, because of the situation countries trying to find a better situation maybe not even for sport just in general just for, life. for life yeah. Yeah. so i think you know for example i think an example is the west indian cricketer archer yeah Geoffrey Archer. he's the only exception where he left at an older age because he wasn't able to make it in the west indies and one could then be like okay but the west indies missed out did he and so he ended up not choosing the west indies yeah, because I think he played. He played. He played in the under twenty World Cup yeah. for for, for West Indies, and then he didn't break. He didn't break into the, the, the first team squad for, yeah. for West Indies. And with that, he felt like, nah, let me actually leave. And then he went on to England, and now he's broken into the England Test side. Okay. Side. So, so for, for for a situation like that, you'd say then the West Indies missed out. Yeah. Um, but for most of these countries, I don't think then they'd be able to produce a pop-up. Yeah, they'd like. Yeah, yeah. If he stayed there, 
Um, so I, I guess all you just do is you feel happy for the guy and you're proud more than anything that they're representing. Yeah. They are representing you in a way because you, when we were watching France in the World Cup, everyone was like, that's an African team. Oh, okay. So you bring up a great point: is yeah. that they are representing a faction of the French, of, yeah. of in France's case, the French, uh, you know, com- not community. What's the population? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they represent a large portion of the population that came from other nations other to other seek nations, better yeah. postures and have, and have you know have a French identity. Mm. So I think what a lot of people do in in high profile cases is they personalize it to say, how could you? as as a pogba not choose to represent guinea but i think what we fail to you know understand is that like we've said these guys go from a young age mm. see this guy is probably in french through and through it just so happens that the conditions that brought him to france aren't you know he wasn't there from like a hundred generations ago yeah, yeah. He, he moved uh either was born like sterling was born in jamaica right yeah, yeah but if you jamaica, speak yeah. to him he's english through and through yeah and i think players get a bad rap from media and 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 stuff where it's like how could you choose not to you know represent your home country yeah without neglecting the context of 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 those events yeah for me i think um to answer your question your original question i think from from the nation that um like produces the players or like where they actually homegrown or for or from actually i think it's 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 unfortunate but i don't think there's any like it's any much you can do about the situation i mean i think to to go back to what luto said earlier on is the fact that you know you probably if if pogba grew up in 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 guinea he probably wasn't gonna be the same pogba that we see today yeah if sterling grew up in jamaica he wasn't gonna be the same sterling that we we see today you know? yeah. um so the different aspects to it i mean of course, when you look at someone who's who's um, who leaves at a later stage in their life, personally, I, I don't blame them because I feel like most of the time they leave for a reason. Like they leave for a reason. Like I mean, you look at like for for instance, the, the Joffrey Archer situation is the same as the situation as as Kevin Peterson. Yeah. Kevin Peterson was in the same shoes. He wasn't breaking into um, the Proteus setup basically, and he thought like, no, let me leave. He went to England, and he became England's one of or one of England's um, most prominent players in in a very, in a period where. Um, they, they dominated the world, dominated world cricket, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily blame them. I think, do what I think at the end of the day, we actually should look at the person and, and be like, do what's best for you, do what's best for you, and what you think is best for you. If you feel like you need to leave the country, go to another country, and represent that country to be able to be seen on a world stage and to do better at a world stage, then do that because that's what's going to benefit you at the end of the yeah, day. I yeah. mean. Sure, like, I would have. Uh, sure, I would have loved to see Kevin Peterson stack up the runs and have the performances that he had in a Proteus shirt over an England shirt. Yeah. But I don't blame him for having them on an England shirt over a Proteus shirt. You know. Because yeah, because like it had it gone the other way, and had he stayed, no one would have visited him if he was like not making any appearances for the Proteus. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. no one would have came to his house and be like, I commend you for staying though. Mm. You know, he would have been a non-factor. So, exactly. Okay. And we don't even know if he was actually going to break through the side. Yeah, exactly. Because you look at, at CJ Stunder yeah. as well, like, um, I support the Bulls and I used to watch CJ Stunder play for the Bulls and he was tearing, he was tearing it up, um, playing at six flank, playing at eight sometimes, you know, and he would never get that call up, you know, and then he eventually decided, no, let me actually go to let me actually go play in Ireland. Um, I think he plays Munster. 
Yeah, I think it was like let me sign. He signed, he signed for Munster, paid for Munster, and then he got eligible to 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 get into the Munster into the island side. And since then, he's been he's being recognised as probably um as up, I'm not gonna say as one of the best um loose forwards in the world. Yeah. But he is up there in terms of that bracket because he puts in performances after performances in an island shirt. So I mean, he's recognised through that. And in in this in the Springbok setup, he was never recognised. He was from what I remember, he wasn't even probably called up for an an, an extended squad call up. You know, something like that. So. Mm. I don't blame him. I mean, kudos to you, dog. Do 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 what's best for you. I would say. I um oh damn. I had another yo. I swear <laughs> I had another question. <laughs> you forgot your question. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean. Um, oh, this is this is my question then. Would you guys be against so if you know World Rugby comes out and says, or sports in general, all sports federations come out and say, okay, we recognize that this is the case. We are gonna require the federations and countries that benefit the most from diaspora players and players leaving their home countries to actually have a certain percentage of their budget allocated to developing the countries that most of these players come from like a reparations of sorts yeah, i think we mentioned i think you mentioned it in the beginning when you said most of these guys are through and through nations they currently play for yeah and so to expect them to have some yeah so we can't expect the players themselves yeah. to now be like no i'm um, to expect them to have some sort of ties with the home country yeah, yeah i think it would be i think it would be difficult for the federations to actually reimburse those those countries so like, for instance like for instance pogba is, is a world cup winner you know yeah so should are you saying should france give or, or pay a certain push a I'm percentage to the equatorial or the, the, the Guinea Federation. Federation. Yeah, so I'm saying, you know, the blueprint could be, you know, this is an idea. So not necessarily something I champion, but it could be a solution to the structural causes in terms of sports that lead to players leaving. So let's say we identify that, okay, the five beneficiaries of players leaving their home countries, top five would be France, would be England, etc., etc. And then we say, because you guys have benefited this much from this, and we, it's going to keep happening because of this, this, and that. Because these players keep leaving, right? So the situations in the home countries are left at the mercy of, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to donate out of the goodness of my heart. So it's like you guys can then try and help the situation because you have to acknowledge that you've benefited because of these structural deficiencies so maybe perhaps consider aiding the structural deficiencies in those countries just a thought uh, i think my my personal view on that is aid or handouts yeah i've never really helped anyone especially in third world countries where you'll find leadership is the biggest problem um, so you might say that these federations um, lack structure. There are some structural deficiencies. Yeah. I mean, maybe finances, whatever it is. But at the core of it is mismanagement of those funds when they are available. So imagine now Pogba, let's say annually, giving a million rand, a million dollars to the Guinea Federation. Do you think it would be used for what it was supposed to be used for? Because whenever you give something without being without working. Or it, you know, it becomes yeah. a problem. Okay, so, so an, an, an overhaul of the structure as a whole, then. Yeah, and I think the players themselves, I yeah. wouldn't want 
a chunk of or not even a chunk a piece of my paycheck being given away yeah to a country that maybe i don't even subscribe to you know sometimes yeah maybe you grew up there but you left because you didn't like the situation mm. you know so maybe you want to forget all of that so um i don't think it's a solution i think fix the country first um then the federal structures will take care of themselves because you can't start fixing the soccer or the rugby or the cricket if the country's in shambles um so yeah that's my personal take on it all right yeah no, i don't know i don't know what else to add on to that you know i just it's just i don't know i don't think it's really fair because i mean as much as i think for me as much as these players probably recognize their heritage and where they're from i think at the end of the day they're also associated with the country they came from yeah so, that's why they I picked mean, them Pogba associates himself Pogba sees himself as, as a Frenchman yeah as a Frenchman so I don't think he, he necessarily has a thing of I owe anything to to King or or for instance a, a Kevin Peterson be like I owe anything to South Africa for giving birth to me for being the country that gave birth to me because as much as they gave birth to me how much have they done to how much have they done or contributed to where I am today as the person, as the success that I am today? Yeah. You know? So I mean, it's it's a very it's a very it's a very tough one. So I wouldn't necessarily um, be open to it, but I mean, it's it's something I think third world countries in terms of their development and working with first world countries in terms of their development have to look at in terms of ways of actually. Um, finding our right structure to be able to develop that country in a way that's going to be effective to keep them and make them as good when you keep them exactly yeah i think then we have to understand that it's not an overnight thing yeah Yeah. and usually these federations presidents are in there or ceos are in there for five years yeah five years is not a long enough period to say okay we're going to produce x number of players who you know shine in the world so it's a long-term process in which my personal take on it i don't think it will come into fruition i think there's too much money in europe for for players to resist there's too much money yeah you know so in order for people to stay you need to make it a lot better at home to entice them Yeah. yeah it's like how you know South African players only really want to go overseas if it's a big enough league yeah. because home is nice. Like yeah, they're comfortable yeah. here and you know people might have negative things to say about how cushy they live but we've made it so that our best, you know, talents actually come from our own system. Even the talents we even see a lot of the talents of African countries migrate. Yeah, they actually migrate here because our league is better. How and then how the league is and how well yeah. the living is and how well the pay is. Yeah, they make our league better, you know, and so we can see that we're going if to take it specifically to South African football, you know, you touched on the fact that the leadership structures as a whole, a lot of people tend to complain about that. And a lot of coaches who, you know, when they leave, so you might say, oh, it's it's a bitter ex. But, you know, a lot of coaches, (laughs) when they leave South African football, they complain that, you know, Safa is not run by people with a footballing brain and people that understand the sport as as a whole so i think once we get the right leadership structures then we can move forward but in terms of cultivating that culture of home is the best place you can be for our our players we've done that for football and i think we've done that considerably wellish for rugby as well you know our teams compete 
I think for me, like in terms of the people who run the sport and looking at them personally or who are leaders within the sport, I think it's not only football, but I think it's more prominent in football. Yeah, more prominent. Because I think in, in rugby and cricket, I think there are people who, who make a lot of executive decisions, yeah. but don't necessarily, aren't actually necessarily... Like, oh, okay, so do you think... So do you think those deficiencies get masked a lot by how good our rugby and cricket sides turn out I to think, be? I think that's I think that's the case, and, and that's why it's more prominent in, in, in football because you don't see a lot of that success coming yeah. through. And then once that success comes through in the other sports like in cricket and rugby, you think there's actually, no holes. Yeah, you think there's no holes, and you forget about it because you 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 focused on the actual success itself. Yeah, I'd also say that I think. In terms of soccer, we all these different federations, all these unions. I think in South Africa's case, one look, one has to look at the maturity in terms of how how long they've existed for. Yeah. Rugby wise, South African rugby has been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the yeah. so even if you bring in leadership that is not so good because the structure has been yeah, has been entrenched yeah. like yeah. the structures actually run themselves like schools yeah. rugby even if you whoever is, is the president of is it Saru it's, yeah. yeah whoever is running Saru schools rugby is a system in itself and it's been a system yeah. for so long that it's going to maintain its integrity and it's going to produce and in, in, in Safa's case because like it's it's still a 20 years, 20 years or so yeah. it's very much reliant on the top to yeah. maintain it yeah so okay then yeah. we need to fix our our foundation structure yeah, yeah because you you look at cricket as well cricket at one point was an organization where you'd be like things are going well yeah it's a well run now when you talk about south african cricket you start questioning the convener selectors do they know what they're doing mm. you start questioning the ceo they know what they're doing and the minute we start questioning that then it means there's a bit of deficiencies coming in place and i think that's also partly of course south africa once upon a time was not so integrated yeah and in trying to integrate we want to fast track and then of course we get political about yeah. it and we're not going to discuss that yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i think lack of leadership from Safa's point of view lack of leadership now that's happening within the pro tiers mm. Um, is also leading to um, their performances or their lack thereof of performances. We don't lack the talent pool. Soccer, you go to Gauteng, everyone's playing soccer. Yeah. You go to KZN, everyone's playing soccer. Soccer is a thing we play in South Africa and we've got the players for it. But where we miss it, I don't know. Likewise with rugby, we've got the players. Likewise with cricket, we've got the players. We've never lacked the talent pool. But it, somewhere along the line where decisions need to be made, yeah, the breakup happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, now that you speak about cricket, I'd like to jump in. Um, so, first World Cup, uh, which happened in July, June, July, in terms of cricket World Cup, um, South Africa, South African cricket decided to to, to give Otis, Otis Gibson, who had been the head coach, the sack. Um, and they've gotten, like, they've gotten to the idea of um, implementing structures, right, to, to be able to. Um, benefit the cricket team more, more so the national team in terms of the coaching systems in terms of i mean i think there was talks of having i mean they don't have a head coach at the moment yeah. as, as as we speak there is a is he a director of what director of cricket or something like that yeah i think he's he's of course he's playing the interim role but i think he's also playing like you mentioned the director 
or high performance but overseeing, overseeing type of, role of structure, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that is um, yeah, he's a team director technically at um, you know, you know, Um what would you say about like the way South Africa is going about this um, about the changing direction because they've seen I mean they've identified that the systems at the moment in terms of their leadership and what they have within their coaches and within um, the development structures isn't as perfect and the results are showing it was it was it was showing a lot in the World Cup and yeah. performances. I think, see, South Africa's system is disintegrating from the inside. For example, before the World Cup, we we had a situation where the Players Players Association related to franchise cricket is trying to sue um, CSA because apparently we've been registering losses of about 600 million and they didn't know about that. Mm. So it's been falling apart for some time. Now, what we didn't know that it was also falling apart within the Proteus structure. Um, for them to not have a coach by now, for me, is a problem. Mm-hmm. Because the World Cup ended in July. Yeah, you know? And I think they knew that during that World Cup, they're probably not going to retain Otis. So between then and their meeting at the end of August, what did they decide? Yeah, and you know what were they doing? You don't you don't take that kind of decision yeah. without you know. Without contingency so then, it, uh, but the, don't you think? But what, don't you think that at this moment they're in the process of actually finding the perfect coach because they don't want to make the same mistake? Because I like, I feel like personally they made a mis- they made a very um, knee jerk reaction by by sacking um, Rasi Rasi and 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 appointing and appointing um, Otis, don't you think that they're probably taking their time at this moment to make sure, and that they know because I mean the uh, South Africa coaches are currently in India, they've got a head coach at the moment um, in inverted brackets who's going to be able to take the team. So at the moment they're vetting out all possible options and finding the best option for the coach. But I do think that the people involved in looking for the best possible coach, even when things are going well, is always an option. Okay. All right. So they knew that Otis Gibson's contract is coming to an end towards the, after the World Cup. So they, they should have had options by then in terms of who are we approaching. Saying that you're taking time means that then you haven't planned because now you're going to go through a series without a coach. Players are going to get used to the interim manager, right? how the inter- interim manager does things, the values. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in a coach, they have to relearn. Yeah. You get me? As opposed to you've been looking, choose someone and move with them, saying we're moving with you for the next five years and make sure they commit to the next five years. Yeah. And then you have a structure built around that. And, and if that doesn't work, then we can say, okay, you had a plan. See, now it doesn't seem like they've got a plan. Yeah. They, they, they're just throwing dice, hoping that yeah, something's going to work out. Yeah. yeah. Do you okay? Do you guys think uh, it wasn't a good World Cup? Yeah. So, do you think um, the decision to sack uh, Otis was was it a, 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 a welcome one? And two, who are you then looking at to say okay? Because if they they've taken so long to replace him, this is the person we expect them to appoint. They sh- the, the person they should appoint. Is, is there someone that you have in mind or it's just a down to okay they have to look for someone um, usually you sack the coach yeah 
someone has to take the fall. The players yeah. are definitely well, not taking the fall. The the yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. players are probably the most valuable asset CSA has, so mm-hmm. you cannot put it on the players in terms of you have to sack the coach. Yeah. I mean, even going into the World Cup, the performances weren't also yeah. that great. So I mean, there's oh, there was also that that, that dark cloud over um, over Otis's over Otis's tenure as a coach. You know, so yeah. going into the World Cup, it wasn't looking positive. So at the end of the day, after the World Cup, looking at the results as well, it wasn't as surprising as as usual mm-hmm. see usually in such a situation as well you you probably require a different voice um after having such a loss um the coach can't say much you know it's like yeah. it's like having a captain that's, that, that that gets ducks every single time yeah the influence they have within the team probably going to listen every single time they, yeah, they don't yeah. perform yeah. so likewise i don't think then the, the players would be receptive towards him and then there's also a new crop of players that's coming in because of the players that have retired so a new voice i think is needed because we're going into a new era with south african cricket um who would you like to see as, as a coach as a coach so who do you think is, is going to be who would you like to see? i i i personally like the approach of getting someone from the outside in i i don't think in south african cricket we we have enough coaches um to to take on the the proteas um coaching job so a guy like trevor trevor, trevor bayless would for me be an option but of course he wants to go back home um one would say mickey arthur she's he's been in the setup before yeah. there's been politics around his sacking and yeah. all of that so yeah. i wouldn't go into that so so a name doesn't come at the top of my head um but i then again the coach is not the issue uh, i think it's so deep-rooted that it's not just a coaching issue um south african cricket in terms of test match cricket, i don't remember that any time that we've scored above 300 against over the past, yeah over the past about two three yeah. years i don't remember the time i mean two three years i think i'll look at against a good side the australian series i think we i think we did score about 300 in that series because mm-hmm. i think we batted we generally batted well mm-hmm. in that series so that's probably the last time we we, yeah. we, we batted well and ever since and and that australian series was was what was um Mar- february march of 2018 which is which was a long time ago. Yeah. Which was a long time ago. It was the end of it was end of last end of the previous season, previous before last. Yeah. Of the previous season. So yeah, I think it's yeah, I mean I think same with the with, with um the test team, there's there's a lot of issues with, with, with the team. I don't know, like that's the thing is there's there's so many issues you don't even know where to start. You know, with the batting lineup, with the players, with the with the plans, with, with with a lot of things and I, I think coaching isn't the biggest issue at the moment i think but then another thing was also considered is that in cricket a coach's role isn't as big as other sports that's that's another thing that's why we we, we can say that um a, a coach is not the biggest issue at the moment because a coach a coach at the end of the like i mean as much as they improve you here and there your head coach basically is, is there for picking your team and making sure that everything goes according to plan at the end of the day. They're like a supervisor if if we're really being honest in cricket. So I mean I mean going back for instance looking at um looking at um 
the Australian the Australian the Australian saga with 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 the with the sandpaper yeah. thing. That never came from a coach. That was a players thing. The players, the captain, the leadership group came up with that thing uh, with 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 with, mm. with, uh, with that solution. And the coaches had no idea of it. They just had said that. Hey, like this and this and that, and people were calling for the coach's head in the sense of how can you not be in a leadership in a leadership group? But it's very much possible that a coach cannot be in a leadership group in terms of the players yeah. and what the plans are on the field, because the captain is the one who is basically taking control of everything that happens on the on a cricket field. Yeah, I see. Cricket is probably one of those sports where, unlike soccer, the managers probably. His role is to formulate um, tactics. tactics and all of that. Yeah. Um, you'd look at probably NFL, likewise. You'd look at basketball, same. Cricket's one of those things where it's player-driven. Um, yeah. it's, it's an individual sport, but in a team setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. So you're so dependent on the individual players and the captain running the show that, you know, the, the manager or the coach is probably there to manage egos, especially when we're dealing with international players. Yeah, that you're exactly. just there to make sure that these players can stand each other more than anything. Um, so to say, you know, South Africa's problem or any team's problem is the coach um, is probably, you know, um, a shot at all these good coaches because the mere fact that you're an international coach means that you've got a record behind you. Um, but then again, when we look at this with the plans of approaches in our case then you do question the coach because sometimes you can't see a plan you yeah know? yeah even with the world yeah. people, you couldn't really see the plans that were being that were yeah. being that were being put forward you know i mean this execution was, was also bad and that's on the player side but yeah. the plan you couldn't see that okay you no know, with a certain player or a certain team that the protests were trying to do this or do that to get them out or even with batting that they could do this against certain people and certain and certain teams so i think with, with that that's where otis you could see that you know like his role is actually um is actually diminished in in, in the side as an overall um i think we can go on to looking at, at the current side um the current protest side so as I was, as i've mentioned now they've, they're, they're in india at the moment so as of this evening they played the third of the, the 30 20 which they won by nine wickets um first one was read out the second one was won comfortably by india uh, and now it's getting into the real cricket, which is test cricket, of course. We've got, <laughs> we've got, three, <laughs> we've got three test matches coming up. Um, anything that you, anything that you would like to see from the coaches with um, this test side in, in terms of selections, in terms of game plans, in terms of um, things that would be an improvement from the previous test that we've played. I think we find ourselves in a tough spot. Um, Amla is retired. Um, I know JP wasn't in the test squad, but he's also retired. Um, I think Stain's also retired. Moko retired in the last series that we played, I think, against Pakistan. So we find ourselves in a tough spot where now we are rebuilding, but at the same time, we've still got good enough players to compete. Um, so I think the bowling lineup, we're fine. I think we'll replace Moko with, with Ngiti. I think we'll re- I'm not too sure who we're replacing Stain with. 
I said, was good. But I think it's a different set of events. I think we're going to go for a, a three fast bowling attack. And then a spin up. And then two spin Two spin Two spin spins. Okay. So you're looking at. Dane Pete and. Dane Pete and probably. Um, um, Kish. Kish Mahara. Kish, Kish. Yeah. So bowling lineup. Bowling, bowling, yeah. Bowlers, you've got KG, you've got DD, and you've got Vernon. Yes. So we don't have an issue there. Yeah. Batting has been our issue. Not because we don't have the batsmen, it's just that they haven't been performing. And so, of course, we have to replace Amla. Yeah. Um, so, I'm assuming Bavuma is probably going to move into the number three position with five at four. Then we need to find a five because we've already got a six. Who's the number six? Dukok. Oh, Dukok is number six. Because yeah. usually we played four fast bowlers and an all rounder. Yeah. Um, so, if we can fix our middle order, uh, we should be fine. And bearing that our top order scores runs, we should be fine. But we shall see. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been a consistent period of players like dropping subpar performances? Yeah. Yeah, you look at the ODI setup, for example. Guys like um, Decock, where you'd expect them to score around uh, hundreds. Yeah. Probably score 50s where they don't impact the game as as much as we'd want them to so these guys haven't been performing well we don't know why confidence issues maybe um yeah so it's not a talent issue it's not a quality issue it's just been they've been looking like they can form you know but then they haven't been producing the results that we'd wish yeah for me i think i think the biggest the biggest thing that i'm looking i'm looking at the series is is of course that i think um, and especially our our batting plans against against spin, because the last time we were in, we were in India, um, we were atrocious. To say to say the least, we were atrocious in terms of in terms of our game plans against spin. And I think um, Ashwin was having a was having a field day with us, like test match, test in, test out, you know. So I think, and I and it's gonna start up top with. Um, with Dean Algan and Malcolm, of course. Um, I think they have to lay down the platform and set the platform up for, for the rest of the batsmen. I think, they, like you said, they've got the, they've got the ability, especially um, in terms of um, Dean Algan's temperament, is exactly what you are going to be looking for because um, it's going to be tough conditions in, in India. So the way that he bats is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to be beneficial, you know, I think. So I'm looking at them to, to lay down a platform for other batsmen to come later into the batting aura. Um, and then I'm looking at the other batsmen once they actually come in, they don't they don't like it's not it's not a it's not a collapse of wickets. That's another thing you is that once you lose one wicket, you can easily lose a second and third. So I'm looking at people when they come in, they actually set early, they they get into the crease and they get they, they watch the ball, they watch the ball and they actually hit the ball around yeah? and they get into the stride into actually playing the normal cricket shots. Because like I said, it's 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 very tough conditions. It's, it's India's is it's very humid there. Yeah. It's very it's very humid. So in terms of that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a factor. 
um, the pitch is very really, it's very soft. It's not as hard as what we are used to as South Africans in South African pitches, and it spins a lot. You know, so I mean, our our plans are against that are going to be very wide. Right. And I'm looking at someone like um, within the coaching setup. You know, um, the purchase are brought in a batting coach is Indian um, yeah I'm yeah, Mazunda yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, sorry if I butchered the name so I think his inclusion into the, the coaching setup especially in the test is going to be very big well I hope it's very beneficial for this test for this test series to, 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 to get us going because I think in terms of form once we get back into form in terms of batting as a, as a cricketing side we, we can actually be on top yeah. of the world because our, bo- our bowling lineup is very is 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 is, is close to world class. Yeah, I do hope they prepare decent pitches. Yeah. Um, the last time <laughs> test matches ended in three days, um, it wasn't it wasn't a good, you know, it wasn't good to watch. It wasn't good to watch. Um, so I do hope test matches go to four to five days. Um. Do they, like do the Indian players fare well on the on on those pitches? Yeah, they yeah. do because they've grown up in those pitches. So. so then, how much of it do you think is by design, or and how much of it do you think is just uh, there's nothing they can do about it? Like how much of it do you think the Indian Federation is like okay, world cricket is gonna let us you know have damaged pitches up to this level, so maybe we're not as enthusiastic about getting them to. The conditions they should be in because our players have an advantage on that. I think they have a benefit in terms of they know they probably got one of the best spinners in the world. Yeah. Um, so if you didn't have that advantage, then you wouldn't take that chance because if you think about it, the team that wins the toss and bats first usually will win the test match in that case because the team that bats last on a damaged pitch usually loses. Yeah, yeah. So they know they've got the advantage in terms of the bowlers. In terms of the batsmen, if we've got got good enough bowlers to to match them, then the batsmen cancel out because mm-hmm. a bad pitch is a bad pitch, irrespective. Yeah, irrespective of the type. Yeah, if you're batting, yeah. yeah. Um, I do those think it is by design. Um, like in South Africa, we'll prepare pitches that are suited to our fast oh, bowlers. Likewise, they'll do the same. Um, of course, tour level, and I do think they do push the boundaries. Um, in terms of I think in the last in the last test series when we went over there, I think they did push the boundaries, yeah. and that's not what you genuinely would like to see. And I think that's what going back to what you were saying in the sense that it, it it wasn't it wasn't nice to watch it all. It wasn't a spectacle. So yeah. you like a test match to go to four or five days because um, I mean four innings that are 10 20 wickets that are taken within three days of a team it's, it's not really something you like to watch and most of the time that was due to the pitch it being damaged in terms of speed being unplayable and stuff like that and i think um our quality of spinners was also a factor with that but i mean they did better than us I mean, so i mean that's what i say going back to our plans as well in terms of our how in terms of what I'm looking at, in terms of from South Africa, how do we actually um, plan to, to to play these players within those pitches and stuff like that? And I mean, I'll commend South Africa for one thing in the sense that most of the players were sent with the South African A side, and they played a couple of of, 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 of matches, practice games. They haven't done. I mean, the first couple of matches they weren't that great, but in 
Today, I don't know if it was the last, it was the last SAE game. Uh, Markham and Markham and Vian. Markham and Vian Molda both hit centuries. So I mean, it's this is the potential for us and the ability. I mean, it's there for us to be able to to bat on in those pitches. It's just the application at the end of the day. So I think I don't think the pitches are going to be as bad as the last as the last series, but it's also our application of of of, of plans. We've got to show up, basically. Yeah, no, we do. Um, like Seda is saying, I think the one thing that we'll see if we're prepared well or not is how we play the spinners. Um, and if exactly. and if we're going out as if we don't know what we're doing, because when you watch South African cricket and good spinners are bowling. Usually it looks like they don't know what they're doing. They have no plan yeah. in terms of how they're going to approach it. And so if we'd see a plan, rather get out doing what we saw you trying to do as opposed to looking like you have no clue what's happening. Um, but it should be a good series though. I, I, I yeah. do hope, I do hope it is competitive and you know, a good spectacle to watch. Um, especially for the pointing the point system yeah, for the test championship. Test, test championship so yeah it should be one to watch um i mean talking about a good spectacle um the ashes have recently ended in last was it last week yeah yeah last week last week sunday i think uh so england won the last game um i mean finals final score or we, i think we were recording the day we're yeah. recording the day of, of um, Australia retaining Yeah, yeah, we're recording when they actually retaining So, um, Australia won the first game um, Second match was drawn uh, England won the, th- the third test um, Australia won the fourth one That's retaining the Ashes And then England won the last one um, That's drawing the series um, What did you find of that series? What did you think of it as a series as a whole? Um, the cricket all period I think that series probably reminded people of how Test Match Cricket can be good and great and, you know, something to watch um, because in the, in, in the past, usually Test Match games are one-sided. Yeah. So that particular series was well-balanced. Um, I thought there was enough in terms of English English bowlers testing um, Australian batsmen and vice versa. I do think, though, that Australia was probably the better team. And they gave it away in terms of losing the last game and losing the edge bat edge test match where um, Ben Stokes scored a hundred to win. Yes, hitting it. Yes. So I do think they threw away two games where they could possibly have, you know, cleaned up the series. But I do think though it was a competitive series. And it was held up or it was Australia was held up by Steve Smith and on the other side England was held up by Broad. Stokes, yeah. Um, so it was it was well balanced and evenly balanced, um, and it reminded me of the 2009 series. Um, I, I didn't watch the 2005 series. Apparently, it was good, but the 2009 series, every single Test match went down to the last hour. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was good to watch. It was good to remind people that there can be excitement. Um, within test match creep because you know sometimes you don't find that sometimes it's so lopsided and one side that it's, it's not a good spectacle to watch i think for, for my side i think what made it so so interesting to watch is the side is the fact that like both sides are so evenly matched you know you're looking at the batsman um in terms of the batting lineups man for man there wasn't there wasn't much different there wasn't much different i mean Steve Smith definitely was head and shoulders above everyone else. But besides him, 
like man for man, everyone is probably on the same level. Even the bowlers, both bowling attacks are very good. You can like the ball in terms of the number of wickets that he got, the way he bowled. Joffrey Archer coming into the series after Anderson's um after Anderson's injury. Um, who else? Look at in terms of in terms of Australia. Look at Pat Cummins who carried Australia as a, as, as in terms of bowling with most using wickets. Hazelwood as well. So there was there wasn't much difference. So it was interesting to watch every all of the test matches. I think most of them went on to the fifth day, which was I, I, I enjoyed that. I think that's that's one thing that I've, I've, I've in, in terms of the past, I'll say past three years with general test test cricket that I've missed since that games going into that final game, games going, uh, what's this, games going to that to that wire, going to the to to to, to the end, you know. Um, I do think though the. Sub- the conditions surprised me and they probably surprised England as well. I think the pitches were worn out. By the time they played um, after the World Cup and played the Ashes, yeah, the pitches were worn out. I think, because of the World Cup. Yeah, because if we played earlier on, maybe played the Ashes before the World Cup, I think England would have had an advantage because of the conditions. Um, and their bowlers would have exploited that. Um, so, but it was... It was evenly matched. Um, now I'm keen to see how you know these test matches in total when they go to England. I mean Australia will turn out um, because that can end up being one side if David Warner um, finds some form, if um, Australia's middle order finds some form. Because I, I do think England's bowlers are going to find it tough bowling in Australia. They usually do struggle when they go in Australia. I mean. Anderson, for instance, England's number one test bowler in, in, in Anderson. Someone when, when they play in England, it's more transfer yeah. and shoulders above everyone. You know, but when he goes to Australia, he struggles a lot. You know. um, so yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting series. And I mean, another interesting series that we can probably speak about is the fact that England's coming down to South Africa at the end of the year. Um, I think that they've got four test matches. Uh, first one starting Boxing Day. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting series. It's going to be a nice watch. Yeah, it will be a nice watch. I think um, the fact that uh, the fact that another another fact is the fact that um, England are coming into a new coaching system as well yes. because Trevor Bayliss is 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 running their coaching setup. Um, so it's going to be interesting seeing that the, the pace the, the the pace between our uh, Trophy Archer versus Cage and Maguire. That's going to be something to see and. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's gonna be good. It's gonna I think the England has to sort out a few issues they have within the team, test team especially, because the England or the ODI team, I think they probably got one of the best teams in the world. They've shown that by winning the World Cup. But the well, test what team. Would you like to see them change their test team? They need to find a more permanent opening pair. I think they've found one guy in Joe Burns. I, I don't think. I, Joe Denley as a, as a batsman is good. But I don't think he'll end up being the opener because he's got he's got a a weakness that I I don't think he can fix in terms of he's too eager to score runs quickly um, and he usually gets out in the same manner every single time. Meaning he's got a weakness in that area. Joe rooted number three probably not. I think they've tried it because everyone was pushing for it, but I don't think it worked because the openers are not good enough. So it ends up. If he pressure. pressure on him, it seems like he's an opener himself. Because their middle order is pretty good. But I think in that series, what ended up happening is that everyone seemed like they were batting two places above because they were coming in so early. 
So a guy like jo- I mean Johnny Besto, who in ODI Creed will score 100 after 100, seemed like he was out of sorts because he was coming in too early. Um, a butler was coming in way too early. He was never getting the role that he usually gets in ODIs where he can bat freely. So if they fix the opening, op- I think, yeah, one of the openers in the number three spots, maybe move Joe Denley to a number three and get in a new opener or keep Joe, Joe Denley at number three at number one and then get in, get, get, in a, get an opener to come in at number three. But if they have someone who's seasoned at the top of the order, I think they should be fine. Joe Root will score runs eventually. I think he's, he's a quality batsman will end up scoring runs. Um, I think that they have to move on from James Anderson. Uh, I think, yeah, make a decision. He's 37. Make a decision that either you're playing him or Broad, but you can't play both anymore just because of age. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they'll fare when there's a new coach because we don't even know who the new coach is going to be. Looking at the Joe Root thing, I mean, of course, following English cricket going into the Test series, um, there was a lot of chats going on, like talking about how Joe Root should bat as being the best batsman on the side and stuff like that. Um, do you think it was? It was. I mean, sure, they should, they, they they tasted it out to see if it actually worked. But do you think they should have changed that within the series because it was evident that Joe Root was coming in too early and was being found too early. I mean, and his, his he, he hasn't been on form to be able to take that number three spot. Yes. Even like English in the England coaching setup should actually have have, 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 have taken a, a stomp on that on that action and actually moved into number four. I, I do think he was trying to make a statement. Um I, I believe apparently he came to the coaching staff and said I want to bat at three. One because of the pressure I think from ex players saying go bat at three. Which I I don't agree. Um so he wanted to make a statement as I'm the captain and you know I want to make a statement saying okay listen um, I'll take, I'll take that responsibility captain, yeah I am mm-hmm. the captain now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I also do think though he was thrown under the bus by not picking two specialists or picking a specialist opening bat um, opening batsman because they they picked Jason Roy in which his average in first class cricket at number four is like 36. Mm-hmm. So they tossed him up the order, hoping he was going to spawn the same form he has in ODI cricket. So yeah, I, I don't think he was dealt um, a good hand. And then again, changing it halfway into the series implies that you don't know what you're doing in the first place. So I don't think they were going to change it, and they shouldn't have. I think give it five games, it didn't mm-hmm. work, fine. Um, because this is probably a long-term decision that you're making, not we want to win the series type of decision. Because you can mess up a lot in terms of the player's confidence. Yeah. So, uh, I do think though, in the next series, they'll change. They have to change. Um, it would be stupid not to. Um, anything you want to ask about cricket or anything you want to add? No, no, I think you guys uh, have provided enough info. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, um, I think looking at the time, we can actually move on to um, football. Might as well just be about football. Do we have to? We don't really have to, but I can. I mean, we can talk about (laughs) Fordiola. We really can, we really can. Um, I want to start at the Champions League. Sure. I mean, it was the first week of of Champions League opening week. Anything that you that, that caught your eye, imagine, per se. What happens? I mean, Zidane. Zidane's been on, on, on fraud watch, you know. 
He's, clock, he's clocking his hours on Fraud Watch. Um, at this point, it's like, what do you think? I just think he shouldn't have come back. Zidane. Yeah. Because he's not, he, he's, he's shown, maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, And he had been successful at everything thus far. Like he took... Um, he already won the league though. Because I don't think that's... I think that's one thing... Relatively that, successful. I think that's one thing that's called... Champions League. Champions League. Champions League. So, oh, okay. So, so, winning, yeah. so winning the Champions League masked the fact that he can't go the long way then. In the league, yeah. In the league, yeah. Ronaldo think, was a beast in Champions yeah, I think for, I was speaking to I was speaking to a Real Madrid fan, you know, um, after they lost to to PSG, and he was telling me that um, I think he thinks that Zidane Zidane's biggest um, fawn is the fact that he basically put all of his eggs in the Pogba basket, in the sense that I mean, of course we knew when 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 Zidane came back as 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 Madrid coach yeah. that he had hefty demands in terms of the players that he would like to, he would like to sign and want to sign yeah. that's probably that's the only reason he, he would actually come back to the team yeah. if he was given the money to be able to sign those world class players and he was telling me that um, Zidane wanted Pogba so much and put his eggs into getting Pogba so much and I mean it wasn't it wasn't forthcoming that Pogba was going to leave United this season Yeah, and he easily could have gotten um Van der Bleek from Ajax yeah. and Christian Eriksen for the same amount of money, basically. Both, actually. Both, both of them for the same amount of money. And where you actually look at what where, what's this, where Madrid is struggling at the most is within the midfield. Yeah. Because they've got gang injuries there. You look at Isco's injured, Modric is injured, um, Asensio is injured. So those, those are players that are key in terms of their starting lineup and players who actually come into... At the, like to finish off the game, you know, um, they also let go of Danny Sabas on on loan, and then they is, they also let go of of Kovacic to Chelsea. Yeah. So the fact that the midfield midfield is heavily depleted at the moment is is where they're struggling at the most. So, do you, like a lot of people were saying that Zidane's midfield has the four midfielder, but it has no real direction where you'd see. I think he hasn't because he's put all of his baskets into the Pogba, all of his eggs into the Pogba basket. It's like now, you know, they're empty in that midfield, mm, and you yeah. can teams can exploit that. Like when someone can overrun your midfield, they don't. PSG doesn't need Mbappe, Neymar. Who else is up? Cavani. Cavani. And and that's where that's where it actually was. If you actually yeah, watch the game. Um, it was, they were just the, walking the midf- through that midfield. midfield. The, the, the PSG midfield was um, Wolf, was it Wolf, it was I think it was no, Sutton Didi. Matuidi, um, Gay. It was, yeah, Atrisa Gana Gay, Matuidi, and um, Verratti. Yeah. And they, they, they no, no, no. Verratti, no, no, no. Marquinhos. Marquinhos was starting with Verratti and Gana Gay. Yeah, Gay starts. Yeah, game. Gay. And then Dominated I think, the game. Yeah, he, I think Blaze came in second half, he did. And those three just, they were running all over the two midfielders because um, Madrid played a 2-3-1 a two, three, two, three, and James isn't really that disciplined to actually track back and help out the Yeah, he's not an enforcing team. He's more of an attacker. Yeah. Yeah, so the fact that it was 2v3 basically in the midfield of being out, like outrun there. Can I step in with the yeah yeah sure the, the small amount of knowledge I have on football? Do, don't you think though that wait would question though the, the the Madrid team when Ronaldo was there the midfield you guys are talking about how different is it now compared to what it was then? 
So being at Ronaldo, of course, is the constant. Is, if yeah, is, if you take him out, guess the engine Casemiro is still there. Casemiro and Cruz are still there, but, but you, it's you're but lacking you, aging players. Well. Yeah, you've got yeah. you've got an aging Modric when he's there. You've got an aging Tony Cruz when he's there. You yeah. know, for a long time, it was a problem that Barca also encountered. Where for a long time, because the system had been so successful and the system relied on an engine that's been a constant for such a long time that they actually might have neglected building towards that engine. And you, you, you found it at Barca where they had like a struggle period after, you know, the Iniesta and Xavi uh, partnership. You know, Busquets are still there, but it's like the same way Casemiro is still there, but... And Chris is still there. Chris is still, I mean, but it's like they're also aging. You need all they, three of you. Yeah, you need all three of them to be at, at their A game. So when you yeah. find that uh, uh, a Modric who's inconsistent, uh, a Cruz who's also you know his game, he's, his he's game declining. is declining. Is declining. Uh, I think Casemiro is still on it because I think Casemiro is still, still on it. Yeah, but he he can't you know he he's he he plays as a ball playing CDM, so he can't really. You know, carry that midfield. Yeah, yeah carry the midfield. Yeah, for the other and guys, like yeah. you said, with the so now they've got James Rodriguez, who when you look at him, you know, when you look at these players individually, like a lot of people were saying, the way a team is set up and the way they play does a lot for how a player looks. So James, you know, for a Colombian team when they signed him, that was a, a very attacking Colombian team, and they were playing well for most of their games. And James's attributes shone. You know, guy got the best goal of the World Cup and and all of that. So now, when you've got a Madrid team that's lacking in in dominating games because of uh, other factors, like because of Ronaldo is no longer there, because maybe uh, Sergio Ramos is, isn't as commanding as he used to be, because maybe the front three isn't as confident and set in stone as it used to be. The left back is also yeah. In terms of defensively, yeah, then lacking. Then you start seeing holes. Then you start yeah. seeing okay, we we don't really dominate games. We actually need the person that's playing as our number ten to join in the midfield. But now you've got James Rodriguez playing in that 10 it's not that's not the guy you, you know can, you it's, not a, and, it's not a it's not a and just to be able to, to carry that or to carry out that role yeah so but also Zidane as a coach himself it's like sometimes you look at him and you're like bro this guy really has me. apart from getting the best players in the world you know you see like Pogba then I think that's that's the thing. That's why he's on. That's why that's why he's on. That's why people are, are, are like are talking about how he's on Ford Watch at the moment because you look at what he was able to do with. I mean, sure, he won. He won the the, 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 the three Champions League back to back yeah. to back. You know, um, with that team, but he did it with a team that was at their prime. He did it with a Cristiano Ronaldo who. If your team is down and out, he can literally yeah. carry you single-handedly. And, and single-handedly and and bring you out of of, of that slum. And he doesn't. A Modric who's 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 on top of on top of his game in terms of attacking is 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 um the fullbacks in Marcelo and and Carvajal yeah. are looking best in the world. like best in the world. And now you don't have those players in that form at the moment, and you can't generate good enough performances yeah. from what they actually are at the moment so you say my guy is a motivational speaker like <laughs> he can motivate the best players in the world <laughs> to, to be able to come to through. win but you can't coach i don't say that that's what people are saying that's what the streets that's are what, saying that's what the streets are saying i don't know like i mean look at Mourinho. Mourinho always wanted better players in united yeah 
I think it's even all of all of his teams, all of his teams. Yeah, he's a place for having good players. I think it's. I think Pep, Pep has probably shown that in terms of when you look at City, City when you compare it to um, Madrid when Ronaldo was there, yeah. When you compare it to Barca when Barca was still good, you'd probably pick those other two teams over Man City. Yeah. But he's found a way. He's built. He's yeah. built a very, very, very team. good squad. But then again, they spent money on certain players. Yeah. They, they were willing to spend money on certain players. So I think Pep is probably one of the few exceptions where you could say that's a coach that can build a team from sometimes what we thought was nothing. But in most cases, to win the Champions League, to win the league, you really need good players. Yeah. 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 I think for me, for for me in terms of the, the Pep talk, I would say mm-hmm. <laughs> is that. Not necessarily like I, I sure I agree that he can build a team, but from what I see is that he what he's capable of doing is 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 getting a certain player or unlocking their full potential. Yeah. Unlocking their full potential and getting them up that step. So you're saying you need because, but you need to be a certain level for for you to yes, work under pair. For you, yeah, yeah. Because like, I mean you look at you look at the players that he has there. Yeah. Sterling Sterling the Brainer. Um, Jesus, Aguero, Silvers. I mean, even when he got to City, that that team was actually a very good team. Yeah. It's just that they were inconsistent. The one year they would run away with the league, the next year they would look, they would come They'd forth and they, and they would look shaky. Yeah. Right? You know, what he has done is that he is able to unlock the full potential of those players and make them play at a consistent level, at a consistent high level, yeah. to be able to win the league back to back to back. You know, back to back. Sorry. Um, looking going to back to back to uh, going for the three beat. Yeah, you know. So I, I would say, I mean, yeah, he can build the team, but um, I think he builds the team from already high potential players that can actually step up into those looking world class bracket, world class teams. So then, what's so the question then becomes, what type of manager do you think is better than? Do you think uh, a Pep and a Zidane who come into an already world-class-ish team and take that team to consistent performance, you know, for as long as they have that setup? Or do you look at maybe a Mourinho and a Ferguson who get B-grade, you know, average players and, you know, do the most with them and, and build a team that can go on to win things? I think you look, I think you, I think the best manager is the one that wins. If we if, if we're really being honest, you, it's the, it's the yeah. one that it's the, it's the ones that wins games, wins trophies at the end of the day, because by any means, by any means, um, because you look at, for instance, a club, yeah, club before club is another example. Club before this Champions League had um, the Champions League that he won um, was this last season had that that um, that dark cloud over him that he had not won anything with Liverpool, yeah, and that he was getting close but no cigar. You know, type of vibe, and people, as much as they would acknowledge the good football and stuff like that, they wouldn't acknowledge him highly as a coach because he still has. He hadn't won uh, even, even, even at the moment, you don't really necessarily rate him that highly because he doesn't have a Premier League. He got ninety-seven points. So it's it's the Pochettino thing as well. Exactly, exactly, it's the Pochettino thing. But as much as you can play beautiful, sexy football, you can beat teams. You can you can hold yourself accountable. You can hold yourself up. You have to win trophies at the end of the day. You have to bring you have to bring on the the bag basically. Yeah. So speaking of you know winning trophies, Man United. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I um, really want to tell you I want to talk about this team today, Doug. Like, but okay, okay. I mean, whatever. Like, now let me just go into. No, it's, into it's, it's my question is is really like a Premier League question. It's a coaching question, coaches question. Um, do you think coaches should be given more time at teams? Like recently, we've seen coaches getting sacked more. You know, yeah. with, with more frequency than than we've been used to. Like you used to grow up, a team, a team's identity would be its coach. Like literally, Arsene Wenger and Arsenal are, were inseparable, are inseparable as a brand. You know, you look at Mourinho and Chelsea, inseparable as a brand. You look at Guardiola and, and, and Barcelona. You look at what Guardiola's built now with Man City. You look mm. at Ferguson and and Man United. United. You know, um, but now it seems as if. The co uh, the manager's job is twenty four seven shaky, like there's no level of assurance. Like you, it's it's rare now to get the level of assurance that Klopp had has from Liverpool, because yeah. even before they won the Champions yeah. League, Klopp's job has never been in doubt. Yeah, you know. But now okay. and you and you look at you look at your Ollies, you know today uh, Oli out is trending. Uh, you look at your Emery's, you know, a lot of people uh, at Arsenal are calling, are talking, are calling for his head. Calling calling for his for his head. head. Some people are calling for his head. Yeah. And, you know, Lampard, I no, think... Not, uh, not as yet. Not people as yet, aren't calling for his head, but he's three bad results away from, hmm. Yeah. You know? No, true, 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 exactly. And three that's the nature of the game these days. Like, yeah. it's literally, the, the Watford managers went sacked when, last week, two yeah, weeks so ago? It was, it was like two, two, three weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it speaks to a, an instant gratification type of society that we get. Yeah. Um, I think back then, there wasn't so much media hype when Ferguson started off his, his tenure as Man United yeah. coach. I think they were still good and they were the world renowned team that everyone speaks of, but in terms of the hype, media behind it, advertising the money as well. Yeah. Um, I think now, if they don't rack up the numbers, you're out. Mm. Um, so I, I do believe a longer period or a longer fixed term contract would help because um, that then gives you time to implement the, 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 the strategies and the plans that you want. But then again, the players are going to start questioning you. Yeah, so sometimes people have the trust of the board, but then <laughs> they get the situation gets forced because the players just stop playing yeah. for you. Yeah. And then the board is like, ah, dog, we trusted you, but there's nothing we can do now. Yeah. I think from my side, I think it... it, it it's it's the climate at the moment for managers is very tough. Yeah. I mean, the turnover as you as you mentioned, we the Premier League was four games into the, into the season and the first manager was already sacked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's, that's that's ridiculous. That's crazy. I mean, they, I mean, his record in previous uh, was his last season going to the end of the season wasn't also pretty. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that the, the turnover of managers and the change of managers is is actually ridiculous and there isn't a climate for that. I mean. The thing is, I think the problem is that we all want quick success. Yeah. We all want the the, the, the short route, like the, the easiest route and the quickest route to success. I mean, you look at you look at you look at Oli, for instance, at United. His first his first three four months before that PSG game was was magnificent. Yeah. And people were calling for for Oli as like this great. It was savior. enough for people his, to believe in him. Yes, to believe in him. But since then, he hasn't looked very promising. He's actually he's actually been poor to be, yeah, to be frank yeah. about it, you know. But um, the thing is, for me, another thing is is that. I would, I would, I would give a coach time, or I would be open to giving a coach time if I see that there's potential for something. Yeah. Because, you know? like for instance, I, I was, I was Mourinho out, 
because I could see that Mourinho was toxic for the club. There, there's no direction, team, and there was no direction with with the with the play. Yeah, with Oli, the way that he's coming, he's come in the way that he's played. I know he's capable of winning games home and away. He's done it before, you know, and. The slump that United is in at the moment, I mean, there are many factors. You look at the side that was we were able to field today against West Ham. Like, our base players were missing. Martial, Pogba, um, yeah. Lou Shaw and left back, you know. Um, so, I don't really blame him that much. It's just not pretty to see at the moment. And personally, I would give him a lot of time because I can see that there's potential and I can see he's working towards something, you know. So, that's I think that's the same with Klopp. Klopp got into the job, I think it was like October 2014, October 2015, something like that. Um, I know it was, yeah, it was October 2015. And the first signs of him being a decent side was two years later in yeah. the 20s when Salah when, when in Salah's first season but even then the Liverpool side had a lot of deficiencies because they conceded a lot of goals I mean so they could still finish I think they finished fourth that season you know and then last season when they showed up their defense with Van Dijk and showed up their goalkeeping with Allison, they've got a complete team now they've got a way of playing that they have been playing since club came in so there was direction so, so there was direction so let me play Pochettino's advocate then and say that with Oli um he's actually one he's he's backtracking on I guess the principles that he set out when he first came yeah you know uh, when he first came which was you play the high press play the high press and you get the ball out quickly and then you know when you watch the games now it's like that's not happening no but it is it's just that they, for, for me I see it because I mean okay, you, see you, look, it, I, you look at you, I mean there was a stat before the um, I think it was after it was after the, the Leicester game in terms of um, teams that press the most in the top six, United are actually second in terms of their pressing. Mm-hmm. But it's the intensity and how we actually, in terms of yeah. numbers, is what you probably don't see from a United compared to a Liverpool. Which makes it less effective. Which, which it makes it less effective, but it makes it also seem that we're not pressing. Because when Liverpool press, they gang press. You know? So they've got, many, they've got numbers pressing yeah. and you see that press. Whereas when United okay, press, because so, it's also okay, you have a point. Yeah, yeah. Coming into, so it's not an apparent. It's not apparent. Apparently, yeah. so he's also like, I think the fans would be a lot more relaxed if because the fans know that the current situation we're in is, is not is not his fault. Like, yeah, you know, in, in in the European summer, he wasn't backed with with proper signings from the board, signings that were achievable. Yeah, and he can come out and say no. The, the squad that I have, I'm happy with the squad that I have. You know, I'm and happy I would, to be I would, able to build up the yeah, youth and no, all of I that. I would expect no less from the manager because at the end of the day, he has to, you know, live with these guys 24 exactly. seven. Exactly. You can't go out and you can't, do, you can't complain be Jose. about the squad at the moment. You know, it's so far to the next transfer. Window. And the squad, the confidence, it's not a, a confident squad. You know, there's no real leaders, exactly. so they need as much confidence as they can. So I can see, I, I can be okay. You can come out and say that, but at the end of the day, we have. A shit squad to select from so what yeah. i expect from you then is bravery in, in in your selections and i expect you to select the best squad that we can field and today when he filled at a matage where fred has been amazing in in the games we've seen him and you know he's given out performances that are, are, are positive you know for the football that we'd like to play 
I'll disagree. You disagree. I would say I, I justify Matic's is Matic's um starting because it's it's an away game. If we were playing West Ham at home, mm-hmm. then I can hear your cry that Fred should start. But the fact that we're away and Matic is more defensively secure, you need that in your side in an away game because we've also been struggling away away from home. Yeah, you know? but I think so, we've been struggling and, away and also because afraid, of that. Then. Yeah, but but also Fred, when we when we play like as much as as good and as positive as he is, he's. He hasn't really. He still hasn't really settled into United. He hasn't still settled in England. I mean, it's been a year and all of that, but he's still got a few mistakes in him, and you can still see it. Like when he when he gets the ball, it's a bit, it's a bit. He's a bit hesitant. He's a bit hasty, you know. So that calmness of Matic, who's been there, who's done that, for me, I personally back that, back that, and I think, I think he's he's picked the best side that is available to him personally from. From 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 the West for the football game. he'd like to play for the football which he is to not play. very you know you go like as United even if we were like tenth or whatever I would, I would want okay maybe tenth is, is not <laughs> where you start playing like that but we're not we're not totally shit yeah you we're know, not we totally have the squad shit, we have a squad that can take games to people yeah but we also our squad is also an experience we also have a very young squad yeah here. yeah I mean. If we if we have to be honest about ourselves, we, as United fans, we really shouldn't expect much this season. I mean, calling for top four is a lot. If we're really being honest, looking like looking at the first six games of the season, looking at the squad that we actually have, calling for top four, even calling for top six can actually be a lot. But you and, know what it is, and though. we should. I think we personally, I think we should lower our expectations. To be honest, I mean, I think this squad gets top four if they are fully confident. I think that's another thing. I think confidence at the moment isn't is so booming. It's a, a lot of factors play into that. But I think this squad, for this season, they can get top four. Could have got, I don't know how. They, they, if, the thing is, they're capable, they're fully of, doing confident. So they're they're capable, capable of doing it. But personally, I don't capable. see us doing it. I yeah. don't see us making top six at the moment. The way that we're playing. And even if we don't make top six, of course, I'll have the, the, the rant here and there. Yeah. Um, you know, for, 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 the, for the TL, you know. But... At the end of the day, deep down, I know that I don't really, I shouldn't really expect much because it's a young side. It's he's also not that experienced of a coach at high level, yeah. you know. So do you um, think at a Premier League level? So and he's gonna grow into it. I've, I think it's, it's, I think it goes back to that thing of I've seen enough to be able to know that he's gonna take us to greener pastures at the end of the day. And now it's just weathering the storm, and. Being able to know that at the end of the day, the storm is going to end. Pochettino's available. Do you take him or not? No, I don't. Who? He's he's a bottler. He hasn't won. A, <laughs> he hasn't won a title. I mean, as we've we've spoken before about how Tottenham has in terms of it's the history starting of the lineup. Tottenham. They, they start. They start <laughs> the history of the title. They starting lineup. They've had a very good starting lineup. Probably man for man, one of the best in the leagues in terms yeah. of the past few seasons. But the fact that he he hasn't been able to compete much, even in, in in things like the FA Cup or the League Cup, to be able to win that EFL Cup. The EFL Cup, it's, it it gives me an indication. I mean, I, I say I wouldn't take Poch because I've got Oli at the moment, but you asked me this twelve months ago, I'm definitely taking Poch. Even even Poch now, yeah. twelve months ago. Let's say I had Mourinho at this moment, and Poch is Poch at the moment, like with with the way that Spurs season is going. Yeah. I would still take him. It's just that I wouldn't take him over Oli. 
Yeah, man. It just goes to show how football is, is about the optics now. You know, yeah. people were taking Zidane. Yeah, twelve months exactly. ago, people were backing Zidane, and, and, and it's being like one of the best coaches ever because he won Champions League. Now, nah, ima- if Zidane can't get Eden Hazard to perform, imagine Zidane had to work with um, who's your boy, uh, Ashley Young. <laughs> who, to be to be fair to Jesse him, Lingard. is putting in performance. Jesse Lingard is putting in performances. He, you know, he is putting in performances, and I'm I'm, I'm not gonna slag off Ashley Young, but I think someone that I per- personally I have to give a shout out to is Marcus Rocha. Him too. In in terms of the midweek game that we played, um, the Astana game. Yeah. That was in in our season so far. That was the best left back performance that we've had. Yeah, yeah, true. Some would say it's against farmers. We had this year, arguably. Yeah, it's the best left back performance of, I've I've seen us have, you know, for in a long time. In a long time, in a long time. You know, but I guess some people would say that's against like uh, Astana. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. It's also against Astana, but like, I can mean. Rashford missed goals against us. At the end so. of the day, the performance is a performance. Yeah. You know? um, Champions League. Uh, who else are we looking at? Uh, um, Man, do you? How far do you guys think Man City will go? They started off hot against uh, Shakhtar. Ne? Was that Tottenham? Yeah. Do you guys? Do you no, guys, if you want to answer, oh, it's fine. Wait, yeah, like I think this is the okay. You don't watch enough soccer, so let's make it a base level question, right? Do you think this City team has what it takes to deliver for Pep? Or do you think Pep can deliver a Champions League with the City team? Because that's the ultimate goal. Because I think winning Champions League and still competing in your home league requires you to have depth. Yeah. I think they they do have depth. Um, For me, what I would say is they're capable. Mm -hmm. They're highly capable of doing it. But in terms of the players that they have in terms of the way Pep plays and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just that I don't know if they have the mental the mental strength to be able to do it. Because yeah. it's also it's also tough going later to Champions League and to actually win it. You know, like it's it's I don't think they can do it this season. I think the best they can probably do this season is is is, is probably finals. You know, because there's also this I don't know. It's like unspoken rule that to win a Champions League final you have to lose one first you know um, they lost 208 wait when they won oh okay you don't, yeah they okay. lost 208 to, to United and won 12 yeah they won 12 yeah yeah, it's it's, I mean, it's, it it's like that. in the past, in the past, in the past. Um, so the Champions League is is a, is a competition where yeah, know, if to win it to win it for the first time, to win it for the first you time, need a you have to of good yeah, you have to lose a final first yeah. to win to be able to win it for the first time. And what that is symbolic of is that you build on Champions League performance. Yeah, and it's it's that thing of having that Champions League final experience, yeah. semi final experience, and I don't think they have that in the squad. I think they, I also think they will struggle a lot because. Um, defensively, they've they've lost a lot. I mean, going into the season, as much as we spoke about how much depth they have on their side, yeah. At, at in the centre back pair, in their centre backs, they only had going into the season three centre backs yeah. in Otamendi, um, Laporte, and John Stones. Yeah. And two of those centre backs are injured, one for a good five six months, another one for five weeks. So City, in the next couple of weeks up until let's say end of october halfway through november is going to be telling of the side that they are not only champions league but also in the league yeah because your league form also mirrors your champions league if you're doing well in the league like 
if you start well in your league you usually, and you start well in your Champions League, you usually go far. And I mean, that's when you probably possibly choose as to which one you go for. Yeah. And that's that's where your quality in the squad of depth comes into. If you can actually go, if you can actually go the length, like go the distance with both competitions, comes into. You know. But it's all about their start. So I feel like if they start well in 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 the if they do well in this period now in the in the in the Champions in the league, sorry, as well as the Champions League, they're gonna have enough confidence to be. To enough confidence in the latter stages of the Champions League to be like actually we've got player, better players that are going to come in who are going to come back from injury and we're able to sustain ourselves when they weren't here we can actually they will have that belief and they may break that <coughs> barrier of going the distance Hi, uh, um, we've got a weakened Madrid mm. you know we've got Liverpool, who is not as ambitious about the Champions League, because yeah, they, they've, they, they've got they, league they ambitions. Want, we've got, got a Barcelona, so we've got a Barcelona that's just gunning for it. I think Barcelona has made it their priority. PSG, PSG as, well. as well, Juve as well, Juve. So, Juve. so we've got yeah. I think the the top three people who want it the most would be Juve, Barcelona. I don't know. I think PSG I might be. City. City also. I think City wants it more than PSG. Yeah, yeah. I think City. As much as, as, much as PSG. Say, I don't know if the belief think, is there I, I for think PSG as much. They want, they want it more, and that's yeah, the ambitious. Well. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. didn't help. But I do think they want it. Do you not think maybe crashing out last season has started giving them doubts about can 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 we actually this project of ours? No, but even if you look at it, it's not only crashing out last season. Out the season yeah, the so it's the final nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Or the it was before, like, like I mean, they've been crashing out in the in, in the same stages, yeah. in the stages in the same manner. For instance, like I mean, they lead on the first yeah. leg, and in the second leg, they just so the belief it. that they can, you know, they can come out and say, you know, we want it, or we're building, you know, we've got on one of the best teams in Europe. But ultimately, if you don't have the belief that you know what, we can actually go the whole way. You know, I guess you could you could say that an Atletico c- can do well. I just don't know if they have the conviction to to go out and do it for the Champions League. I think maybe they're looking more at the league. Yeah, they started well, and sort of well in the season, and they've looked they've looked a very good side. So I mean, they can. I don't know if they can make semis, but they can probably possibly make like, the quarterfinal stage. Yeah. yeah, I can say they've made good signings. Yeah, yeah. Like Joao Felix has been one of one of the best signings uh, mm. this season. You know, um, Trippier was a bargain. Trippier was a, a bargain, bargain. You know, he's come in, slotted into that first team. You know who else has made? I think it's like, oh, a good acquisition. Inter. You know, special mention to them. Yeah. You know, Conte's come in and and he's done his thing. And you know, I think people never really said Lukaku wouldn't get gold. Yeah. I just think the or never, I think I don't think people ever slagged off his goal scoring yeah. ability, yeah. but more of his footballing ability in yeah. terms of both the players. So that system is perfect for him, you know. Yeah, Shout out to and, him. And he's gonna score a lot of goals at at at, at Inter Milan this season. Alright, cool. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh no nah, man. I'm I'm cool. I'm cool. Um Yeah, Zidane is on is on a forward watch heavy. 
Ali is gonna be in Fraud Watch. Hazard is on Fraud Watch heavy <laughs> right now. But Hazard is coming back from injury, so I wouldn't really put him on Fraud Watch. Yet. I wouldn't say we, uh, a McDonald's is an injury, but hey, man. Courtois, <laughs> I think Courtois is confirmed. Courtois is, is definitely a fraud. <laughs> He's not even on the watch. He's definitely a fraud. He is a fraud of no. Courtois confirmed fraud. Damn. Yeah, uh, man. I mean, Nicolas football, Pepe, football. fraud watch. He scored his first goal today. Ah damn! It was a penalty. Oh, okay. <laughs> like live. literally, I think I think Aubameyang gave gave it to him because so he's he, on fraud watch. <laughs> literally, actually, if we be honest. But yeah, man, I think I think Sporting Week was was good. Um, for my side, I'm looking forward to the rest of the World Cup. Yeah, guys, like, this week is also going to be good. Um, matches to look. Uh, it's a new for as long as the Rugby World Cup is running. Um, matches to matches to watch, I guess. Matches to watch. Let me check from out the fixtures. From now until next week. From now until next week. They aren't really promising. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, next week Sundays. I think the biggest match of next week of next week is gonna be Wales versus Australia, which oh. is next week Sunday. Wales Australia. Um, other games are also like very much one sided because uh, tomorrow Wales is gonna play Georgia. Um, we expect Wales to to run away with that. Mm-hmm. Russia's gonna play Samoa. I think that's gonna be an interesting game. Russia. I watched the Russia game, the first game against Japan, and they looked for me. They looked a very organized side. They're very organized in terms of they knew what they wanted to do and they executed the game plan. So I think it's gonna be a good game. Um, Fiji Uruguay. I think Fiji's gonna run away with it. Um, Italy Canada. I don't expect much from Canada, personally. And <laughs> <Nah>. I, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, the Italy Canada one. I also don't, also don't see much from it. Um, Argentina Tonga, which is next Saturday. It's also, it's also, Argentina's not run away with it. And then Ireland Japan. I think Ireland's gonna run away with it. It's gonna be one sided. And then Springboks was in Namibia as well, one sided. Uruguay, Georgia. I think Georgia is gonna is yeah. gonna is gonna run away with that. Okay, against Uruguay. Oh, run away, not run away. I think they will run. Okay, okay, not run away, but they're gonna win it convincingly, comfortably, comfortably. And then yeah, definitely the biggest game of next week is gonna be Australia versus Wales Sunday, quarter to ten. I'm gonna go. For, I'm going for Wales. I, I think Wales oh, are gonna top this group. Wales is going to the final. They're capable of doing, but I don't see them doing it. When was the last time the Aussies cropped out in the before the semis? Before the semis? Two or seven. Wait, who was in the final? Who was in the semis? Semis two or seven was South Africa, Argentina, England, and France. I mean, they woke up. They woke up record yeah. in in is is actually very good because. Last last one, 2015, they went final. Um, 2011 was semi final, where they lost to, to All Blacks. 2003 was final. 99 was final. I don't know about 95. 95, I'm not sure. I think it was. I don't know. I think it was quarters because South Africa South Africa played France in in the court in the in the quarters in Durban, where it was nearly waterlogged and washed out. And then Australia and New Zealand played England in the other semis. Sorry. Yeah, it was France. So it was France, South Africa in the one quarters, and then New Zealand, New Zealand, England with the Might Cat, John Lomo, Yeah, that was that was the semi final. Um, and then ninety one, they won. Yeah, they won. And then 
I'm, I'm not sure about 87. <laughs> I'm not sure about 87. But they've got a good quarter cup record. I don't think they're going to go the distance though. I don't think they have the quality of this. Nah, it's, it's too much for them. It's too much for them. For some reason, I'm backing a lot of these 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 northern hemisphere teams. No, no, definitely, no, definitely. I can't, I can't write off the All Blacks. Um, yeah, I think we, I think I think Wales is going to take that game next week. So you think Wales is going to take it? You think Australia is going to take it? Okay. So if you guys have conflicting views, then it's going to be a, a great game to watch. Yeah, yeah, it will. It will. Definitely, it will. It will. right. Yeah, no. Um, anything else? Nah. Yeah, no. Uh, shout out to you, Maji. Thanks for. <laughs> yeah, thanks for me. coming, bro. Mm, yeah, thanks for for the inside of the super chat. Chatting things. Um, hopefully, I'll probably be on the show next time again. I don't know when, but to to have more fruitful chats. So thanks, James, for having me. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll definitely call you back. Um, another week. Um, yeah, that was from the stands podcast. This was episode eleven. Yeah, thank you. Shout out. <laughs>